player two. Have you been waiting long? You have? I'm sorry. It was April Fool's here in the land of Pod as well, and some imps stole my keys, and I couldn't get to the portal. Also, I was trapped in the quicksand of Netflix, which is a pretty big deal. <laughs> but you know what? I'm here now, and this is going to be great. You, you don't know who I am? I'm Kitty M, the All Geek, and your guide through the land of Pod, one of the geekiest places on Earth. This week, whether Wedden should be the guy directing Batgirl. Also, how Marvel are completely wrong about saying diversity isn't going to sell. It's going to sell, they're just doing it wrong. Also, Invader Zim is back, I don't like Rick and Morty, and Metal Batman. I mean, I like Metal Batman. I, you know what, let's just head to the tavern. I'll explain it all there. Come on, player two. Let's roll. Player two, you're, uh, you're already here. Is that, it's because I'm late, isn't it? See, I, I'm late because of Netflix. And laziness. And April 1. You've... You've already got notices off the notice board? Wow, that, that really shows initiative. And you bought me this drink! What's that? This, this isn't for me? Is it yours? It's that troll's over there. Okay, we're going to pretend that it's mine now until the troll notices different. Okay? Let's see, Justice League? You you want to talk about Justice League? Because I haven't talked about that enough. Okay. Well, it does seem as though as of last edit, the movie's like three hours long and everyone's calling for them to cut it down more. But I say keep it. And no, three hours is not too long for a movie. I spent 13 hours straight watching 13 Reasons Why and then woke up the next day and mainlined all that there is to watch of Riverdale. People just need to get good with their attention spans. I know some people actually can't. And for those people, they get a pass and we should try and accommodate them as best we can. But for the rest of us, come on, three hours isn't that bad. And you know what? If one of those hours is just Aquaman wandering around hugging his fellow Justice League members and looking at them like he loves them, I say make mine a double can and will watch that. <laughs> you know what people can't watch? Ghost in the Shell. At least not compared to Boss Baby, which has beaten Ghost in the Shell in cinemas. That's right, the existential or very real actual crisis of what is humanity and am I a human and is my sentience real was beaten by Alec Baldwin being a baby. <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh about it, but I'm a terrible, terrible person. But I do hope it sends a message to the neckties that this idea of putting well-known actors into a movie doesn't guarantee a return. So there's no more justifiable reason to whitewash. Because racism is never a justifiable reason, so you've got no reasons, zero reasons. And just on that note, some of the greatest movies of our time have contained unknown actors at the time. Don't need to keep tapping the same vein, guys. You can look outside the bubble. You know what everyone is talking about? Because they're not talking about Ghost in the Shell anymore, except for how lacklustre it was. Everyone is talking about the Star Trek translator. 
And I find that really super cute <laughs> because I mean, it's obviously not a Star Trek translator. I mean, they are making a translator, but everyone referring to it as the Star Trek translator, like that was the first place it's ever been seen as though Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the Babblefish never happened. <laughs> That's cute in the way that annoys me. Actually, this is pretty cool. It's a device that you stick in your ear and it translates your words and another person's words and then you understand each other. Yeah, now, in Meat Space, two of my favourite humans are a lovely couple of guys who are all about languages. That's what they do. They study language. I asked them about this and they think this is a great idea, mainly because it means oodles of work for them helping to translate things. But also, they pointed out that language changes. You ever read Middle English? The Canterbury Tales or the Canterbury Talus is pretty much unreadable by our standards. Ever had to explain what a rufflecopter was to your parents? If I tell you I prefer RPG to FPS because I'm a nub at PC games and I prefer to just grind my XP till I hit max level, will you know what I'm saying? See, language is tough. So I'm going to keep my expectations low for this for a while even though it is pretty cool. And I will quietly mourn the loss of opportunity that there will ever be again the emergence of something as beautiful as all your base are belong to us. Other good news in science is that now phones will be able to heal themselves like Wolverine, so that, combined with the language devices we're making, puts us one step closer to immortal metal gods whose will we will slavishly perform because it's the end of days. <laughs> Who thinks this is a good idea? It doesn't matter. Before that happens, Invader Zim will be back, and I have a mighty need. I know, I know, Rick and Morty, I don't give a crap. I mean, I'm happy for you, if you're excited about it. But just like I can't pick up Snot Girl comics because of, well, the snot, I can't watch Rick and Morty. The vomit is distracting, and I don't understand what's going on. And I'm too old to give it time, because I'm old. Like, we get to a certain point where... We just can't open all our horizons, you know? But I'm happy for everyone else about Rick and Morty and all that pickles and stuff that everyone's going on about. Yay, pickles! But also, Invader Zim is coming back. Invader Zim was a cartoon back in the early 2000s, which I think totally shouldn't have been made for kids, but was on Nickelodeon anyway, so lots of parents let their children watch it. It's about Zim, who's an Urkin. Urkins are an alien species that invade everyone. Their leaders are known as the tallest, because the taller you are, the smarter they think you are, or something like that. Anyway, Zim is short and particularly terrible at everything he does. So they send him into unknown space to just get him away from them, and he ends up on Earth, which they didn't know existed, but they're pretty happy he's there and far, far away from them. With him is Gurr, a faulty robot that's meant to help him take over Earth, but mainly just sings the Doom song and loves pigs. Meat burns Zim, which is a particular problem on Valentine's Day. There's some goth kid who knows he's an alien, but no one believes him. And I know this sounds kind of lighthearted, but the amount of times tubes end up inside people is disturbing. So, obviously, I love it. And it's going to be back. Finally, the kind of cartoons that speak to me. The deeply, deeply disturbing and depressing ones. Hey, you know who else is coming back? Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. They're coming back with Metal Batman. Now, this is the team who brought you the Court of Owls Batman arc, which I'm currently steaming my way through at the moment, and it is 
delicious. Snyder is a genius with words, and Capullo is a talented artist and a metal Batman. If you know anything about this guy, you'll know that my feeling that these images are going to come straight from one of his veins and splash out in inky darkness can't be far from the truth. Though I do want the entire plot to be that Batman and the rest of his Bat family have formed a Viking death metal group who are at war with a Kiss cover band made up of Riddler, Joker, Scarecrow and a random dude from Court of Owls, but that's probably not the plot. But what if it was the plot? I'm not asking for royalties, I'm just saying it'd be cool if I had the same mind as Snyder. That would work for me. Oh, I think the troll has realised that I'm drinking his beer, so... We should get going. I've got some bat stuff to talk to you about. Come on, Play 2, we gotta start walking. I know, we're still in the city. Actually, this is the capital of Land of Pod. It's called Hamilton, because it's non-stop. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Anyway, we've, we've got to walk to where we're going next, so I thought we could talk about Batman, or more like Batgirl. You... You thought we'd be in the Batcave again. No. No, I'm not allowed in there. Bruce is angry at me. Not because I broke in that one time, but because apparently if you eat Doritos over the computer panel, yeah, it attracts ants. And then ants in computers is bad, apparently. It wasn't a problem in Discworld, but Bruce is like, those aren't real things. This isn't a book. I don't want to point out the obvious to him, so we're walking, not going to the Batcave. But it is cool about Joss Whedon being the writer and director of the new Batgirl movie, right? Some people aren't that charmed with it, though. See, some have called for Whedon to hand the writing and directing over to a woman, because if he's such a big fan of promoting women, he should promote women. It's not something I agree with, but I do get it. I really do. And anyone, even you, is entitled to have that opinion and voice it, because it's not actually hurting anyone to suggest it, and it could be something you might even consider. If anyone's going to consider it, it's going to be wedding, right? And would it be that terrible if he did? Women can direct films just as well as men can, or we can be as terrible as they are, except when a woman is Except when a woman is bad at making films, that's just sort of the end of it. When a man is bad at making films, his name is Michael Bay and we keep letting him vomit explosions into every gaping crevice of a movie and then we talk about how good Transformers is. It's not. He's not. He made The Island, which is a good movie, so good that he reused like three or four of the scenes from it in Transformers 3. So, anyway. If a straight white cis dude is going to make Batgirl, I'm glad it's wedding. I grew up watching Buffy, and I trust him to show us a strong woman on the screen, and part of me's happy that a dude can do that. The problem, for me, will be rhythm. See, I think of writers and directors as having a type of rhythm, a pattern of momentum that they use to get us through the stories they're telling us. Tim Burton is 
Rain, rain, thunder, thunder, twisty trees and houses, horrendous horror from the depths. Oh, God, no, why? Sadness, sadness, bizarre comment and furtive looks that elicit feelings of wanting to look after the freakish main character and then dream sequence with vampy woman in floaty dress. That's Tim Burton. Chuck Polinick is words hurled like rusty throwing knives in a circus freak show of your life. You leave bloodied and bruised only to collapse because you've been holding your breath for the whole page. Joss Whedon is a rhythm with the way he sets things up. It usually goes, funny line, anticipation of big bad. Big bad happens. Everything is terrible, terrible doom, 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 doom. Hee hee, funny dry humour that sucks out all the slimy doom gloom that we had before. Rising fear and anxiety scene. It's a good rhythm. It means you never really get exhausted watching his stuff because he never pushes you too hard. He knows just where the sweet spot is. But I'm not sure if that rhythm fits with Gail Simone's. And it's rumoured that Gail Simone's Batgirl arc is the one he'll be taking on. Gail is a writer for comic books and she's very talented, I think. I love her work. And I thoroughly recommend her particular brand of writing. Clean Room is the nicest thing you can give yourself if you enjoy horror. If you don't, then don't get that. It's a jam-filled, messy donut of sexual overtures. But I'm not sure if the two tones can work together. I hope they do. And I hope he brings Simone on as an advisor anyway, whether he uses her stories or not. She's got a good radar for what's going to be bullshit. So, some backstory. I disagree with her assessment of Killing Joke's animation offering, which is a DC animation about Joker and his continuing mission to seek out Batman's loved ones and horribly cripple them all emotionally and physically. I've gathered she wasn't the biggest of fans, and I was. But at the same time, I prefer someone who looks out for the characters in the audience more than I do because, as I've told you, terrible person. Though, speaking of Joker and his relationships with women, the Harley and Batman animated movie, that's happening. I mean, the voice actors have been confirmed. I, I don't get this. Apparently, Batman and Harley are a thing? Or could be a thing? Or wouldn't it be interesting if they were a thing? Because they're both super marketable, and for some reason, we all know the reason. Harley is super popular right now, and money. Am I right, you neckties? <laughs> It's not the most far-fetched ship I've read about. Batman and Joker are pretty much the same guy. Yes, they are. Kevin Conroy will be Batman, and Big Bang Theory's Melissa Rauch will be Harley. This is the place where I have more of a problem with any of this than anything else. I'm not saying she won't do a good job. She will. But Tara Strong will always be the Harley for me. Can't change that. Also, though, I don't care about the romance frenemy ship or any other seafaring vessel tied to these two. Harley doesn't interest me in the slightest as a character, which is weird because I really like crazy people and clown makeup. Like a lot. But this is good. DC are talented animated movies and I'm gonna totally watch it anyway. Is that player two? You wanna talk about Marvel? <laughs> That's good. We finally got here. It's the workshop. Let's go. I brought you to this workshop because some work needs to be done. On the weekend, Marvel had this meetup that they usually have, I think, every year, where they talk about their aims, their losses, 
general feedback that they get from their retailers. It should be pretty dry stuff, but this is comics we're talking about, so it wasn't. And I thought the things that they said might have just been an April Fool's joke when I first read it. I was sure it had to be, because no one could be this stupid, right? So everyone was reporting that Marvel was saying their newer characters, anything fresh or diverse or female, wasn't getting the traction they wanted. There has, of course, been a lot of backtracking since the early reports of what was said, because Marvel are anything but not conscious of their image. See what I did there, comic book fans? But seriously, you'd have to be kind of just in your own vomit to not be conscious of the fact that if you go for diversity's jugular, you're only going to do damage to yourself. Here's what I think the problem is. Which is, again, why we're in this workshop. Here's one of their problems. Event fatigue. This means too many big bad things happening too often over too many titles. And so people get sick of it. And yes, we're sick of every few weeks the world ending, because that can take up to a month to get to the next issue. And remember, this is the generation that will binge watch something as emotionally charged as 13 Reasons Why in one sitting. Do you honestly think a drawn out dialogue of evil dudes be evil is enough to sate us? So here's a tip. Instead of making everything in your world the lead up to some big bad that's going to bop existence on the head and blink us all into nothingness every time, maybe don't do that. I read comics to get out of this world and into another. How about doing a few bridging apps, some world building? Develop your characters away from what they can do when heavy things are falling on squishy people. And I'm not suggesting this because I'm smart, but because literally all good franchises do this. Buffy, Star Trek, all of Elder Scrolls. Ask people what they did in Skyrim, and the answer is not defeat the big bad. The main questline is nice, but resoundingly the answer you will get when asked what did you do in Skyrim will revolve around that person joining a guild, getting a wife or husband, and building a house. Not everything needs to be a drama, so stop it. Their other problem was that number ones were selling better than, say, number 20. Really? You don't say. Here's a handy tip. I will buy multiple copies of a number one if it has a variant cover because I fool myself into believing it's an investment. In fact, I buy all variant covers. But an investment is something you're willing to part with, and I'm just not. That's why I'm fooling myself into it. But we all do it. I'll get number one. It'll be worth something. You know what no one ever says? Issue 26 will be super famous. Not until years later do you discover that the random copy of New Mutants issue 98 that you bought on a whim is now incredibly popular because it's the world's first sighting of Deadpool. People buy number ones because it's new and exciting. But we buy trades because we want the story. And yes, the standard customer base for comics will continue to buy existing heroes in the way they've been trained to, issue by issue. But a new customer base can buy it online, or will wait for the trade that you will overprice for just so they can binge it. But by the time that comes out, they might have lost interest. So Marvel can't keep a business model that was set up before screens had things moving on them all the time. It doesn't work. And as the times, they are a-changing. Let's talk about diversity and Marvel's existing customer base and the real truth of the matter. Firstly, diversity matters. Not just because it's the right thing to do, and it is, but because it matters as part of a business model. If you want to keep an existing customer base, never change. 
Some people will move on, but people like habits, so you'll keep them. Eventually, though, they, along with the rituals you've smushed into their skulls, will die. But if you want to grow your base and keep your existing customer base excited with your universe, then diversity is the answer, and you need to promote it. And here's why. Okay, firstly, diverse comics are how I got into comics. My first comic was Carbon Grey, which is this bloody steampunk hot mess of intrigue and sexiness. But my first trade was the first volume of Tank Girl, and I devoured that. Here was someone who was like how I wanted to be. She wasn't Batman, she wasn't Superman. She certainly washed far less than either one of those two. From Tank Girl, I opened up to Evangeline, Zombie Tramp, Haunted, Nailbiter, and Rat Queens when they came along. My most recent purchases, however, have included major DC and Marvel characters and arcs. Most of the stories centering around cisgendered, presumably straight, white dudes. Why? Well, the artwork and the stories got good, but mainly because seeing diverse characters in comics for me was enough to infect me with the comic bug. Now I can enjoy artwork I previously thought of as not that great. I know how to read a comic, but it took diversity to get me in the door. And if you want me in the door, you're going to need diversity. And you do want me there because I will buy all the comics. I've seriously, I, I don't have an off switch for that. Oh, and by the way, it's not just me buying comics. Vault, who are a relatively small fry by comparison, are killing it with issue one for Heathen, which is literally about a Viking lesbian who gets shunned for being a lesbian and decides instead of living in shame for the rest of her life, she's going to go wife herself a Valkyrie. Nice. Diversity sells. And it always has. The lie is that it was never there, existing in any form in the first place. The existing fanbase of Marvel? Remember when you were more diverse, Marvel. Luke Cage and Black Panther? They're not new characters. And I know everyone likes to rag on the old guard nerds and geeks, and I'm sure many of them deserve it. But there's also a whole heap who remember the buzz of seeing diverse characters. Can those guys be a little set in their ways? Of course they can. We all can. But if you make it good, they'll follow you. And Marvel, I know you can make it good. And finally, Marvel talked a bit about artists. Apparently only a few artists move the needle, so there were inferences that artwork isn't that important, which I'm not that surprised to hear coming from Marvel, if we're being honest. But here's where we have Marvel's main problem. They've forgotten that they're making art. I know, it's filthy to suggest that businesses make art, but if you don't want to be a starving artist and everyone loves potatoes too much to want to be starving, then you can be in the business of making art. And the artist is as important as the writer, as is the letterer, and yes, even the inker. Your mother was a tracer. Sorry. All of the people who contribute to the art are important. And maybe Marvel doesn't have as many big names right now that will move the needle, but I think you've got to invest in them. Have you sought them out, Marvel? Because every day I see people who can draw on the internet, who if they were drawing a story I wanted to read, I'd buy their stuff, no question. And it takes years to build a fan base, so there are no quick solutions to this. It's an investment, the same as you're asking us to do when we buy your stock. Look, Marvel is run 
by more business savvy people than me. That's why they're rich and I'm not. And they're probably more dedicated to their universe than I am. I can guarantee that, actually. But I figure if you're making art, then you treat it that way. Don't be in the business of selling me a world that then you'll destroy next week. Don't paint the same character over and over again and don't try and fool me to be part of something you're only going to tear up later. Be better than this. I think people still want to support Marvel. And I think it's pretty obvious I'm a DC fangirl if I'm going to choose either one. But I want to support Marvel and all of their characters. <sighs> but they need to wake up as to why we're not buying their titles. What's driving us? And guess what's not driving us? Marvel. How about you, Player 2? What makes you pick up a comic book? Hmm? I can't hear you, and we're almost out of time. You're going to have to head back soon, so just go to Facebook. Tell me there. Come on. We've got to go. Well, that's it, Player 2. You know, you didn't speak much, so why not hit me up on Twitter and Facebook telling me what you think about comic books and wedding directing Batgirl or anything else geeky. You can find me on Twitter at ChaosKittyM and on Facebook as KittyM. At this point, my profile pic is that of an orc, so pretty easy to spot. While you're in meat space, I think you should check out 13 Reasons Why. It's a Netflix series that is beautiful and terrible and I think everyone should watch it. Actually, I've got some Netflix news coming up, but that's for another time. Until then, player two.